You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Love Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the BT Powerhouse Podcast. This is our 59th podcast. As always, my name is Thomas Bendit. I am the manager and host of the podcast here at BT Powerhouse. We have a uh, an exciting follow-up to our, our podcast actually yesterday. Um, we we talked about how the NCAA tournament's going overall, how it's going for the Big Ten, and particularly some of the, the teams that are still playing, but um, just to supplement our, our coverage here, we wanted to get into each team specifically, uh, and that, those teams being Indiana, Maryland, and Wisconsin. And today we're going to hit on, on Indiana, um, the Big Ten champs, I, I guess as they should be called. But um, it, it's been an exciting season, and it, it's continuing on. So this will be a little bit of a briefer podcast than normal, just because we're only touching on one team here. But um to help us break it down, we have uh, Alex McCarthy from 247 Sports. Alex, how's it going? Great, man. Um, a little exhausted from all the all the big dancing and whatnot in the NCAA tournament, but, uh, but I'm feeling good. Yeah, yeah. It, it must have been a, uh, a chaotic scene <laughs> last weekend in Bloomington with, uh, with Indiana taking down Kentucky. Yeah, I was actually in Des Moines for it. I was uh, sitting courtside for um, – for IU Kentucky and it was it was awesome. It was a heck of a game. Yeah, yeah, certainly. It it's kind of a shame how much uh we talked about this on the last podcast, uh me and uh our other uh host as well. But um it's kind of it's a shame that this game is kind of getting overshadowed by just the insanity of of last weekend because <laughs> uh from start to finish it was a, a great game. It was exciting back and forth. Um and certainly you have the rivalry aspect as well. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a big part of it, and um, you know, the, there was a lot made of the selection committee kind of um, arranging for matchups like that to happen, like you know, IU Kentucky, and, and they wanted Texas Texas A and M in the second round, things like that. Um, so IU Kentucky got great, you know, TV ratings uh, and everything like that. But I mean, I think this first round is is still going to be remembered just for all of the there are these first and second rounds. It's just going to be remembered for all the crazy endings, the, the Northern Iowa half-court shot, the Wisconsin buzzer beater, the, um, the Texas A&M comeback against Northern Iowa. I mean, it was just, there were so many things going on that, uh, that you're, you're right. It, it seems like uh, when we look back at this tournament, we might not exactly remember how good of a, a game that was just because it happened so early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I completely agree. But, uh, but with that, why don't we, why don't we get into things here? Uh, what's going on for the Hoosiers? Uh, we had you on, I, I want to say, two weeks ago or so after Indiana had won the Big Ten. Uh, they were kind of finishing up the season, and neither of us were really sold on Indiana as a Final Four team. Um, we thought they might be able to get this far. Uh, how, how have they lived up to expectations in your mind? Have they exceeded them? Uh, what What is kind of your mindset, I guess, about what they've done so far? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, when we were talking earlier, it was um, – I was thinking that they would make it possibly through the first weekend. Um, 
but I I still don't you know still didn't see them as a Final Four team. Uh, and then when the brackets came out, I definitely didn't see them uh, being a Final Four team with you know Chattanooga is a pretty decent team, but especially with Kentucky and then UNC coming after that. I mean it's just kind of a murderer's row there, and they played they looked so so good against Kentucky, and uh, they were able to shut down Jamal Murray. I mean they they just flat out outplayed. Kentucky, uh, which is extremely impressive, and, and I feel like North Carolina is one of the best teams in this tournament, obviously. Um, but I, if Indiana plays like it did against Kentucky, and if it, if guys are able to stay healthy for the whole game against or against North Carolina, I, I think I really think IU can can win this game. And if if IU can beat North Carolina, I think they can beat just about anybody in this tournament. So I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they if they won Friday night. It wouldn't surprise me if they lost. I mean, North Carolina, obviously, the the better team on paper, and they're playing really well right now. But um, really, I, I mean, I think if Indiana is able to win on Friday, I think they're they're definitely Final Four caliber. Mm-hmm. Well, be, before we kind of get into that that big matchup uh, coming this weekend, um, let's touch a little bit on on the two games last weekend. Uh, starting with Chattanooga, you mentioned they were they were kind of a tricky team. I know a lot of people, uh, at least Hoosier fans, were a little bit worried uh, or concerned, you know, especially with Indiana getting upset in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Indiana goes in, they they kind of have their way with them. Uh, Anobi had that kind of epic dunk. Uh, Yogi Ferrell comes up big. Uh, did you see anything out of that game, or or was it just uh, taking care of business? I guess. Yeah, it was it was just an overall really impressive performance. I mean, they were um, they didn't look great in the first you know four or five minutes, but you know other than that, they they really were able to pull away, like you said. And uh, what really impressed me about that game was that uh, you know there have been a few games this year where, where Indiana has gotten up by fifteen or by twenty or something, and then has totally let a team back into the game. I was talking with Troy Williams after that Chattanooga game, uh, and he was saying that. He was just really impressed, or he was really proud of the way that Indiana was able to keep his foot on the gas pedal and was able to kind of turn a 15-point lead into a little bit of a blowout. And uh, he, he looked back at the IU-Purdue game where Indiana was up 12, 15, something like that. It was only a few minutes left. And then all of a sudden it was down to a three-point game uh, in the last minute. And he said that, that they've just gotten so much better at developing that kind of killer mentality since that Purdue game and, and since – kind of that scare. So that was what really stood out to me there. I mean, Tom Cream in the second half was kind of a madman. I mean, he was he was yelling, and he was really <laughs> got in Troy Williams' face a couple times. I mean, he was just very, very intense. Um, even when the game on the scoreboard looked a little bit out of hand. Uh, and I think he was kind of trying to instill that in his team in, in terms of he knew that they were going to have to play 40 minutes complete against Kentucky if they wanted to beat them. Uh, and then they ended up doing that two days later. So I think the, the Chattanooga game was important for Indiana to kind of develop a little bit of confidence, of course, and a little bit of um, just building that mentality of playing 40 minutes and playing hard regardless of what the score is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a great point, you know, about that Purdue game, which, uh, you know, certainly the big rivalry game. And, and they almost let it slip away, but they were able to, mm-hmm. to finish the job. And um, it it is, you know, it has to be encouraging as an Indiana uh, fan to – to see them get out ahead and just finish the job. But, um, yeah, you, you mentioned the second game over the weekend. Um, we've talked about it a, a little bit here. Uh, Indiana does get by rival Kentucky. Um, first off, I, I just want to throw this out there. 
Um, what What is your opinion on this as a rivalry? It seems like the Kentucky fans try, you know, seem to troll about it being a rivalry or not. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I guess. Yeah, it was uh, it was kind of weird because um, you know, as someone who went to Indiana and been around the program for the past uh, six years, I. Indiana Kentucky means so much to this fan base, and it's um, it it's just this this total hatred that that Indiana fans have for um, for UK and for really the whole state of Kentucky, quite frankly. Um, and it's so intense in that sense. But then being in the locker rooms this past weekend, especially in Kentucky's locker room, the players just don't really feel that way. They're not really that into it, and, I, and part of it because. Both schools have been going out of state for a lot of their recruits, um, for a lot of their players, um, and also they haven't played. The two teams haven't played in four years, and it just, in terms of from the player standpoint, it just seemed to really kind of lack its luster um, because obviously IU fans and, and Kentucky fans were just bloodthirsty to, to to go at it against each other, but the players just didn't really seem to to feel that same thing. So I mean, it, it seems to have lost a little bit as a rivalry um, just because that series ended. I mean, if, if they still had the home and home series every year, or if they still had the, you know, alternating home and home um, series, I, I think it would definitely both still be alive and strong and, and, and passionate. But, but right now it's, it's, it's kind of down as a rivalry, uh, especially from a player standpoint. So I was, I was kind of disappointed at that um, in terms of talking to, to players and, and trying to, get a gauge on what they thought of the game itself. It was, it was a little bit disappointing, but, um, but it was still an intense game. It was still a lot of fun, a lot of energy, just because they are two really interesting teams and, and very talented teams. But, uh, you know, I was hoping it would kind of have that extra level of, of intensity, but um, it didn't really. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and, and I, I wanted to follow up with this question. I assume I know the answer, but um, do you think these teams should start playing each other? Do they need the home and home? Are, would it be all right to just have a neutral game once in a while? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I think any way that you can get them to play each other would be great, even if it's just in, you know, Lucas Oil and, and the, the Young Center in, or in Louisville or something like that, um, because it seems like Calipari really wants to play these marquee games in Final Four-esque environments. He wants to play them in arenas and, and big things like that, but Indiana wants it to be kind of what it used to be in terms of a home and home, everything like that. So um, it seems like they're um, both kind of at odds with each other and kind of at an impasse. And and it just doesn't seem like there's really going to be any progress there, Um, especially because both, both schools also have series set up with, with other schools. You know, Indiana has a, a series with Louisville starting next year and they're just both schools are kind of contractually, tied in with, with other series. So it's not going to happen for a while, but it seems like it seems inevitable that at some point these teams are going to have to start playing each other because the fan bases are going to go insane if they, if IU and Kentucky never play. So I, I think it would be a great thing. I, I think um, that needs to happen. I think Indiana and Purdue, and we've talked about this, I think on the last podcast, but Indiana and Purdue absolutely need to have a home and home every year protected rivalry in the big 10. It's ridiculous that they don't, um, for the fans more than anything because, um, you know, Purdue fans didn't get a home IU game this year. It's, it's ridiculous. But um, with the IU-Kentucky rivalry, I, w- I would love to see it come back because it's a really fun rivalry. Fans really get into it. And, um, and I think it would just be be great for everybody. 
I, I am in a hundred percent agreement. I, uh, and, and as far as the home neutral, uh, site goes, I am personally a massive neutral site hater. Uh, I admit it. I'm, I'm very open about it. Uh, I think it can be, you know, if you can get it done right, kind of how, you know, for instance, in football, how Texas, Oklahoma, they have the neutral site, but it, it's genuinely 50, 50. So it's a true neutral site. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't think it works as well, uh, you know, particularly in a December random game. Um, you know, half the crowd might not be filled. Uh, just the environment, it, they're not as good. And to me, college games should be played on college campuses. That's just my my two cents on that. Um, but I agree. In some way, you got to get this. You got to get this series going again. It, mm-hmm. It's just a shame. Um, I know, you know, I hate to keep going back to football, but uh, – no, as a Michigan fan, uh, the Michigan Notre Dame rivalry has a lot of similar similarities to me, mm-hmm. and uh, you know Notre Dame just kind of canceling it. Uh, it's a game people, you know, they just want to watch. You know, this is a Indiana Kentucky is a game that your random person in California will watch versus you know Kentucky playing Michigan Tech Institute of Technology, you know, whatever uh, mm-hmm. random school in December. So I I definitely agree and some way they got to get it fixed. I'm not sure uh, how that will happen, but um, it will be interesting. But moving on from that to the actual game here, uh, the duel of point guards certainly lived up to the hype. Uh, Yogi Ferrell with a big performance, Tyler Ulis with a, uh, Ulis with a big performance. Uh, What are your, what are your thoughts on that battle? Um, Obviously, uh, you know, Ferrell might not be, see anyone as good as Ulis here down the stretch, but uh, uh, how special was that? It was it was a lot of fun. It was because early on it was uh, Ulis was was dominating that matchup. He was just in Farrell's face all the time defensively. Um, I think Farrell missed five of his first six shots, and, and the guy I was sitting next to leaned over to me after one of them, and he was like, "I have never seen Yogi as off his game offensively and just uncomfortable as this." Um, and he just he didn't have any room to do anything early on. I mean, his shots were terrible. I mean, they were off balance. They were contested. Um, they just were not things that you you usually see Yogi Ferrell shoot. Usually he's able to create something. He's able to get open, something like that. But then as the game went along, um, it he started to find room, and he started to figure it out, and, and, and really the battle started happening. It started really picking up, you know, late in the first half and then into the second half. Um, and, and Ferrell started getting his points. He, started, he had a three, a really big three, um, off an offensive rebound, and, and he just started being able to, to find a little bit of room in the game. He started to um, really kind of get into a, a rhythm, and, and Ulis was as advertised. He was awesome to watch. He uh, Late in the game when, when Indiana was trying to pull away, he was really the only thing keeping Kentucky in the game. I mean, he was, um, in the closing few minutes, he was hitting everything, and he was doing everything. I think he ended up with, like, 27 points. Um, he was was massively impressive to watch live. It was it was a really fun matchup, and like you said, it, it really did live up to the hype. Yeah, certainly. It, it was crazy. Um, it's a shame to think that uh, Murray and, and Eulis will probably be gone from Kentucky just mm-hmm. for how much fun they were to watch at the, at the collegiate level. But regardless, um, Indiana moves on. They're in the Sweet 16 for the uh, third time in six years or so. Um, yeah. But they uh, they get matched up with North Carolina. Uh, you touched on it briefly, but uh, this is this is going to be a big challenge. Uh, you know, obviously the Tar Heels—they're a number one seed for a reason. Um, 
but they do they do have some weaknesses. You know, they're not the best outside shooting team. Um, you know, their their offense isn't necessarily always consistent. Um, if Indiana does beat North Carolina, uh, how do they do it? I think they they figured out a way to contain Bryce Johnson, which you know, good luck with that. But um, <laughs> like you said, the the, the matchup on the perimeter. Um, North Carolina doesn't really rely on the three that much. They don't shoot it very well. Indiana, of course, does. That's kind of been their MO for years is being able to spread the floor, being able to hit outside shots. I mean, if um, – because, you know, Farrell's going to get his points, but if guys like Ananobi or uh, Max Bielfeld or Nick Weisloss, uh, if they can get going a little bit around the perimeter, if they can each hit a three or two, um, that's huge for Indiana. Uh, if they are able to stay healthy because uh, Robert Johnson – has been battling a sprained ankle for a while. He uh, re-aggravated it against Kentucky, missed the second half. So his his return is going to be important. So if he plays and if he's able to play the whole game, he's hugely important because uh, North Carolina basically has two, even three point guards. They have Joel Berry and Marcus Page and, and Nate Britt off the bench. Um, Indiana is going to need to be able to contain guys um, on the perimeter in terms of just stopping them from running the offense as well as they have. So I think if, if Farrell and uh, Johnson can match up against Barry and Page and, and kind of contain them uh, offensively, that would be huge. Um, if they can – if Thomas Bryant can stay out of foul trouble too because, like, yeah, he had, he had a great finish to the game against Kentucky. You know, he scored 15 points in the last eight minutes. But he missed a huge chunk of the first half because he committed two fouls in the first, you know, few minutes. Um, so they – Ideally, Indiana would like to have him for a little bit longer in the game. Um, but I think if Indiana is able to exploit um, the matchups on the perimeter, I, I think they can definitely keep it close with North Carolina and even win. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I, I would definitely agree with that. Um, and, and the one thing I'm, I'm really interested to watch is, uh, you know, I, I wrote a little bit, a little short piece on, on the game uh, for the site but one of the things I said is, you know, the really the only guy who's a consistent sh- outside shooter for North Carolina is Barry. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that that doesn't necessarily mean nobody will have a, a really hot night uh, on Friday. But um, he's the only, you know, quote unquote sharpshooter. And he's not even that great of a shooter. You know, 37 percent. That's certainly solid. But, um, you know, Indiana definitely has the advantage on the outside, at least in terms of shooting. You know, they have what, three, four guys who are over 40%. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, is that going to allow them, I guess, to maybe play a little bit of, you know, maybe matchup zone or uh, try a couple different things to, to match up with North Carolina? Or or is it just going to be, uh, you know, you just best on best um, and try to prevent them at least from taking those shots? Yeah, I mean, Indiana can definitely kind of experiment with zone. They've, they've done it quite a bit this year. Um, and they've really settled into a little bit of a rhythm in terms of, um, I mean, they've, they've just developed so much more confidence um, on the defensive end. They've um, really been able to, I mean, they're, really their whole approach defensively has, has changed so much since the beginning of the season because they um, really did like to kind of experiment with zone and do some more complex things on defense early in the year, and really all it did was was just confuse their own players. Uh, so they've really <laughs> simplified things in the past few months, uh, and that's worked for them. I mean, heck, you look at the last game, and, and Nick Zeisloff, who is, I mean, 
not known for his defense, to say the least, <laughs> was able to was able to really get in Jamal Murray's head, and Jamal Murray was one for nine from three. I mean, it, it's it seems like Indiana gets better and more intense on defense every game, um, and if and it might not even really take that much, you know, experimenting or, or trying new things. I think if they if they play their game and they play it with confidence, I think they they really could be able to um, to slow down, you know, Page and Barry guys on the outside. Um, and, and yeah, I, I think that's kind of what it's going to come down to, to an extent. And, um, Tom Crean actually said yesterday, he was, he was on the radio with, with Dan Dockich and Indy. Um, and he said that one of the matchups they're really worried about is Justin Jackson, who's a, who's a wing. He's like six, seven, six, eight, um, who can step out and shoot the three. Um, you know, he, he only shoots 27% from three, but Crean was saying that like, you know, throw the numbers out the door. He's actually a pretty good shooter. We're worried about how we're going to match up with him. Um, so that's something I'm kind of curious to see because I don't I don't know as much about Jackson as, as some of the more you know nationally relevant guys, you know Johnson and Page and those guys. But um, but that's going to be kind of an interesting matchup as well. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, it will be interesting to watch. You know, as you mentioned, you know uh, the defense has gotten a lot better. Uh, over the last half of the season, and, and certainly since the the rough November December start mm-hmm. to the year, but um, yeah, if they can play solid defense, if, if they can kind of match up with Jackson and, and Johnson, uh, it could be a, a good night for Indiana. Um, but before it would be a little bit of a it would be a little biased uh, if we didn't at least talk about the other side here. Um, Indiana, they're going to be the underdog coming in, uh, mm-hmm. as we mentioned. You know, North Carolina has some pieces. Uh, what how how does North Carolina win this game? You know what what are our potential weaknesses that can be exposed from Indiana? I guess in this matchup. Yeah, if they uh, I mean if they're able to to get to Bryant early and get to um, and get him into foul trouble, that that would allow them a little bit of breathing room early in the game to try and build a lead, try and try and get that going. Um, and if I mean honestly, if if Bryce Johnson has his way inside, if he's able to. Um, do what he's done all year, they're going to be tough to stop because, you know, any guy who averages, um, you know, 17 and 10 or whatever he does um, shoots over 60%. I I was looking it up today and he's the, um, in terms of his um, player efficiency rating, he's the, I think, number three in the country. Um, If he can have his way and if he can be efficient in doing it, I think North Carolina can beat IU because the thing is if, you know, Jamal Murray had 16 points the other night, but he was so, so inefficient in doing it, where if he had been kind of at his normal efficiency level, Kentucky would have won that game probably. Um, so that's a big part of it in terms of Indiana limiting the other team's superstar. And I, and I think if if Johnson has the, the usual game that he that he has and if, um, and if all the kind of supporting pieces around him are able to do that as well, I think they can, they can definitely beat Indiana. Um, and I think, I mean, Indiana's freshman, you feel like at some point um, they're going to hit a wall of some sort because they just keep getting better. It seems like, you know, OG Ananobi's <laughs> fantastic and, and, and Thomas Bryant's been fantastic recently and Jawan Morgan's played well. Um, if North Carolina can kind of, I don't know, I guess overwhelm them or get them into foul trouble, um, I think that's really where you can, can strike Indiana because Farrell's going to get his points and, and things like that, but um, – the freshman contributions for Indiana have really been the thing that's propelled them to where they are right now. And I think if North Carolina can limit them, if they can um, 
you know, beat Ananobi defensively, if they can limit Thomas Bryant, I think they'll have a great chance at winning this game. And, um, and honestly, if, if Troy Williams has an off night, which he's certainly prone to have, um, that's mm-hmm. going to certainly spell trouble for Indiana. All right. Well, we got the, the bad news out of the way, I guess. Um, let's, uh, <laughs> let's have you put on your fan hat here for a second. Um, let's say Indiana, they get the win. They move on to the elite eight. Uh, you know, they, they get the shooting going, they control Bryce Johnson, they, they get the win, they move into a matchup with Wisconsin or Notre Dame. Um, the odds say it's Wisconsin, which would be the third time these teams meet. Um, what do you see quickly out of, out of both those teams? Um, Indiana, I'm assuming, would be favored against either. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I haven't looked at any odds yet uh, of that potential matchup, but um, can Indiana, if they get past North Carolina, it, is it a shoe win or uh, will they have their work cut out, I guess, again, uh, to get to Houston? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, this time of year, nothing is really a shoe win but Indiana's beaten both of those teams. Uh, they beat uh, Notre Dame at the Crossroads Classic in Indy, so they beat Notre Dame on a neutral court. Uh, then, they, then they barely beat Wisconsin here in Bloomington, and then they barely lost to Wisconsin in Madison. So, um, the, the IU-Wisconsin matchup would be awesome. It would be close. It would be because uh, both of those teams just know each other so well. You know, they've been playing against each other for years, and neither team has really changed its playing style that much, even with the coaching change at Wisconsin. But um, that would be a really close matchup. I think Notre Dame is playing much better now than it was in December when Indiana beat them. Uh, Wisconsin, I think, is playing as well, if not better, than they were when Indiana um, split with them in the regular season. So I, I, both of those would be – would be a great matchup. I think they'd be close. I think Indiana would probably prefer to play Notre Dame uh, just because um, Notre Dame's not a great defensive team, and um, Indiana really matches up pretty well with them. Uh, and just historically, Indiana has not done well against Wisconsin late in the season. I mean, Wisconsin has knocked them out of a couple of Big Ten tournaments, and, and they just always seem to have Indiana's number when it, when it matters. And, and maybe that will change now that Bo Ryan's not there, but still Greg Gard has done a great job there this year. Um, I think Indiana would rather have Notre Dame in the Elite Eight, you know, if hypothetically they get there. Um, but they would certainly go in with, with enough confidence where, you know, they would say, you know, we just beat Kentucky and North Carolina, and now we're going to go play a team that we already beat this year. So I think um, nothing's really going to intimidate Indiana moving forward. Nothing's going to get in their heads. But uh, I think they would probably rather avoid Wisconsin in the Elite Eight if possible. <laughs> Certainly, um, you know that would that would be incredible if if Indiana and Wisconsin did match up uh, for a third time. But uh, let, let's go one step further, and uh, we'll end with this just to end on a high note here. Um, let's say Indiana does it; they get past North Carolina, and then on on Sunday they get past uh, either Wisconsin or Notre Dame. Uh, they get to the Final Four. Um, I'm not going to ask you to project who makes it, but uh, what what are their odds? if they get to Houston and, and what to, would that mean to the program? That would be huge. And it would, um, because Tom Preen still, despite everything, despite three sweet 16s in five years, despite winning big 10 coach of the year this year, despite just beating Kentucky, I, I think he still needs validation. I think he still wants to, to prove that he can make this program contend for a national championship because the two sweet 16s a couple of years ago, they both, both of them ended in the Sweet 16, and I think a lot of IU fans want to see progress, and, and progress 
doesn't necessarily mean, you know, winning the Big Ten outright. Progress means getting a step closer to winning a national championship. And if even if Indiana can beat North Carolina and then loses to, you know, Notre Dame and Wisconsin in the Elite Eight, at least that's further than Indiana's gone under Crean. So, it, so going to a Final Four would be enormous for this program. It would be big for Tom Crean where um, people are still kind of on the fence about, you know, whether this is still the Indiana of old, uh, whether it's still an Indiana that can regularly compete for national championships and for Final Four appearances. It would be huge for the for the program. And in terms of, of when they get there, I mean, who would they play? It would be like Virginia, Iowa State, Gonzaga, or Syracuse, I think. Um, and Syracuse would be would be awesome. That would be kind of cathartic for Indiana after Syracuse knocked them <laughs> out of the NCAA tournament in, in 2013. Um, that I mean, that would be like the ultimate kind of Tom Crean redemption tour if they beat <laughs> Kentucky and then if they beat Wisconsin and then if they beat Syracuse because those are the three teams wow. that have just really kind of haunted his whole IU tenure. Um, but that, you know, obviously, like, like you said, that's getting way, way, way ahead of ourselves. But um, that would be, you know, in terms of just pure storyline, um, that would be really fun to see IU and Syracuse in the Final Four. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, would, it would just be it would be enormous for this program because they haven't been to a Final Four in 14 years now, um, and they just this is a program, this is a fan base that expects to be there and wants to be there and wants to be, you know, like the Indiana of 1980s or the 70s. Um, they want to be known as one of the top five, top ten programs in the country. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and that would be interesting if they if they did get the Tom Crean redemption tour, as you call it. But uh, but Alex, uh, any final thoughts here before we let you go? Not really. I mean, it's it's Friday night's kind of gonna gonna be brutal in terms of covering that game because it's gonna start around ten. So uh, oh, wow. I'll, I'll definitely be uh, be getting my coffee on there in in, in Philly. So it's gonna be fun. <laughs> Certainly. Well, Alex, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, for for anyone listening, uh, Alex, where where can they check out your stuff? Yeah, they can uh, they can follow me on Twitter at ak mccarthy n c c a r t h y or insideindiana dot com. That's where we'll have all of our stuff. Two of us are going to be in Philly for the weekend, and uh, we're going to have regular coverage leading up to that game. So it's it's a busy week, and, and we'd love to have people on the site. Definitely. Awesome. Well, uh, Alex, again, uh, thanks for joining us, and, and good luck making it through this weekend. <laughs> thanks, man. You too. Thanks. Uh, as a reminder to everyone, that, that was Alex McCarthy from 247 Sports, uh, Inside Indiana. That's the Indiana uh, 247 page, I guess. Um, highly recommend checking him out if you're an Indiana fan. Um, he does a lot of football recruiting as well. Uh, so they they got you covered on all Indiana sports. And as well, if you're just a Big Ten fan and curious about what's going on in Bloomington, uh, great follow and, and great site to read. But uh, that'll do it for our podcast here today. We should be back potentially this afternoon. We'll have to see how things shake out. But with our Maryland and Wisconsin weekend previews, uh, as I said, we're going to do one for each Sweet 16 team just, just to kind of commemorate uh, – you know, teams and, and give them a little extra coverage here as, as they go into such a huge weekend. But uh, with that, uh, again, I'm Thomas Bendit. You can check me out on Twitter at tbendit uh, as well. I highly recommend everyone check out our site right now. We have a lot of great coverage 
A lot more coming over the next couple of days for, for all the Sweet 16 teams. We're starting to kind of get into some of the season recap stuff for the teams that have been eliminated. Uh, just, just a lot going on. But uh, other than that, again, um, thanks again for everyone checking us out, and, and we'll look forward uh, to seeing you next time.